Welcome back, everybody, to LCC's podcast, Pursuit of Purpose. I am Nate Luke. I am joined here today with Kevin Stuckey. What's up? Nelson Combs. Hello. And none other than the Cody Jewelerit. Hello. So, guys, today we have uh, several topics on the agenda that we would like to discuss. Um, before we get to that, uh, we do have a little bit of news that we uh, should probably get to. Um, so, first piece of news today, guys. French fries. Ooh. You like French fries? I mean, I'm a fan. They're, they're not good for you, but I love eating them. Bad for the heart, good for the soul, right? That's right. If you like French fries, move to Belgium. Belgium just put out a PSA. Belgians need to eat more French fries. Potato prices, I guess. Because really? Of, because of the pandemic, potato prices have gone way, way down, so they're trying to uh, encourage more French fry eating. Wow. Yeah. You don't hear that very often. No, you don't. But it's Belgium. Maybe they eat a little healthier than us traditionally. I would so. say most countries probably eat healthier <laughs> than us. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to be nice about it. But okay. <laughs> most countries eat healthier than me. I can say that. Uh, sticking to the food uh, topic here, uh, an Illinois man recently uh, just admitted that he kept a sandwich that was half eaten by Richard Nixon 60 years ago. (laughs) Watergate. Uh, What would you call this? Not Mm. Watergate, but... Sandwich gate? I guess. (laughs) I was looking for something maybe a little bit more creative, but that'll work. (laughs) Burgergate? And uh, I, I can't neglect to mention that it is National Kiss Day along with National Gallbladder Good Health Day. So happy Gallbladder Good Health Day to all you fine gentlemen in here. goes along with the French fries. So. What do what gallbladders do? I think they help process food. Really? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Paige has People get them removed all the time, Yeah, right? Paige has all hers time. removed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So do they really do anything? I think they slow down bowel movements. Huh. Is that a thing? I don't know. She... Well, I, yeah, yeah. Maybe we shouldn't. Yeah, yeah we're <laughs> believe me. We could we could go down that road. Trust me, that is a, a that brown brick road. For mm-hmm. all of you people that still have gallbladders, mm-hmm. well, today's a day for you. It if it's brown, flush you. it down. <laughs> we don't know if that's true, so fact check us on that, Nate, at some point <laughs> in the podcast, please. We'll do. We'll do. Uh, so, just some lighthearted topics. We we do have some. Some heavier topics for today's podcast, uh, Kevin. If if you wouldn't mind elaborating more on kind of what we're going to discuss today, uh, and just kind of break into a little bit here. Yeah, um, I think from a news standpoint, I I definitely wanted to kind of just do a little bit on uh, the Brianna Taylor stuff that 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 happened. I don't want to like focus the whole podcast on that, but I definitely think it's worthwhile to consider that. Definitely a hot topic uh, right now, and uh, something I think you know is from from a standpoint of you know Christian and looking at this stuff. I think there's a lot of emotions that get that that come into that. I think for some, there's a lot of anger, you know, over the decision. I I believe on both sides of the issues. Mm-hmm. Very, and it can be very radical, and and so I think you know maybe 
you know, what, where, where should our heads go with this? Like, what should we be thinking in, in regard to that? And so definitely want to, to get into that a little bit. Um, the main subject though, is going to be, um, religion and relationship or religion and, uh, Jesus and the gospel. And really, you know, how that forms our relationship with God you know, and as Christians, we've all grown up in different environments and different groups and different um, bodies of believers and have grown up with different ideas of what the church should be and should do. And I think sometimes, you know, a focus on that outside of a focus on our relationship with God can can be a huge hindrance. And, and so it's discussing that and just how to maneuver that in a healthy way. And, um, so those are kind of a few of the things that, that I want to get into. And I think Cody spent a lot of time thinking about this and, um, just working through this. I I know just from some of the, even just the personal conversations the one-on-one conversations that we've had in the past, I know this has been a really meaningful thing for him in his life. Just, from from how he grew up and then, you know, really developing his relationship with God and realizing, you know, some of the things that, that had really maybe created, you know, a you know, a, a a void in his relationship with God because because of those things. So we definitely want to get into that. And I think we all we all have those stories. We all have those those things. I mean, you know, uh, Nelson, I think from your standpoint, like you you didn't really grow up in the church. Not, not starting out, no. Right, yeah. right, and so you come at this in a lot of di- in a different way, Nate. You did. You came from, you know, a, a church background, you know, and and have church has been a part of your life throughout. And so I know you could weigh on this, and I'm the same. You know, I came from a <clears throat> from a Methodist background, and and now I'm a a, a preacher at a, a Church of Christ, and so. I think I, I think we all I don't I mean, just, we all have those stories of, of how that's formed us and I think it's important to to discuss and 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 work through that and 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 maybe see from our life experiences maybe what what God maybe could speak into your heart and your situation so I think that that's good stuff um, just getting started though I, I think uh, maybe open with uh, just a time of prayer so Nate would you mind just kind of beginning this time with some prayer. Sure thing. Lord, we just come to you tonight uh, just humbled by uh, just your your glory and your excellence. And Lord, we, we just pray that through discussion, through reflection, meditation on the topics that you put on our hearts, Lord, uh, we, we pray that you will be glorified through our conversations, that you will allow people to be seen uh, seeing you through our conversations, Lord, and Lord, just uh, please bless us um, as we as we talk about these things and uh, and really just kind of dive deep into some of these controversial topics and and maybe some less controversial topics as well, and and just help our experiences relate to those who uh, might also be listening. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so just starting out, and <clears throat> we have our. Our, uh, our local detective here to help us kind of work through some of this stuff. And I say that, you know, I mean, somewhat joking, but at the same time, like, you know, there's things that you understand about the law that we just don't get, man. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think having that perspective is, is really important because, you know, I look at this issue 
And while my heart absolutely breaks for a family who lost a loved one who was an innocent mm-hmm. in this situation, I mean, truly, I mean, Brianna Taylor was was innocent, and what happened to her is is tragic. It's horrible. Um, you know, I hate it. I don't think that's the question. Right. It was this a bad thing? No, it was absolutely a bad thing. Right. Um, so then it comes to, you know, the verdict was passed down and the verdict was what? There was three officers presented to the grand jury. And essentially, if you don't know what a grand jury does for felony cases or serious cases, they're a group of individuals um, in the public who hear a case and they decide if there's enough evidence or in the criminal justice world, there's enough probable cause to bound this case over to the felony courts. And so these officers were um, presented or the grand jurors were presented with cases on, on all three officers from this incident that were involved in the shooting of Breonna Taylor. So the whole, the whole um, hearing was based on what? The, the the officers were on trial. Well, they wasn't on trial per se. They they were grand jury is a really informal process of the court. Again, there's no defense attorney. There's no um, typically there's no suspects there. I mean, I, not to my knowledge. I, I know in Ohio there's not, but for Kentucky, I would assume it's the same process. You have. Like I said, citizens of the community that were random, randomly selected to be grand jurors or jurors for this case or multiple cases. You have prosecutors um, that represent the state, um, and then you have uh, any witnesses or victims of a crime that are there to kind of state what occurred during these types of incidents. And it's not just the Breonna Taylor; it's for any major felony cases. Um, and essentially the prosecutor presents the case to the grand jurors and then presents witnesses or victims and has them testify as to what they recalled or what occurred to kind of correlate their case, the prosecutor's case or the state's case. And it, all they all they need the jurors to do is say, yes, you're asking for these types of these types of charges against these people. And yes, we believe there's enough evidence that you presented to go forward with a actual trial. Um, against these this person or these people, and so that's what these um, officers were faced. I, I I don't know exactly what charges they were they were going for. I know that the th- three of them or two of them was not found to have enough probable cause to indict them on any charges. Now one was in the I think the t- the title of the charge, which is not in Ohio. Um, we don't have this name for this, but it's called wanton endangerment, which we looked that up and it's essentially a person's actions um, that they did likely would cause death or serious physical harm to somebody. And so they were saying that one of the officers that fired several rounds inside this apartment complex, a lot of these bullets went through walls Well, this apartment complex, it separates apartment to the next apartment by a wall, those bullets could have caused serious harm or death to the neighboring individuals who resided beside Brianna Taylor and her uh, new boyfriend. I don't know if he was new, but um, the boyfriend that ultimately shot at an officer and struck an officer. So that's what I know from it. I I I know that there wasn't some, there was a lot of people that 
I've, I've seen like when I say people, I'm talking about the people who, who have platforms uh, in our society. They were um, not satisfied with the result. They felt like there was not justice served. But I read an article that the Attorney General of Kentucky uh, put out, and and he said, you know, it was I can't quote him, but essentially the media basically portrayed this this incident a way to favor their agenda. And they did a thorough investigation. The investigation wasn't done by Louisville. It was done, or how do you say that? Louisville. Louisville. Yes. Louisville. Louisville. Yeah. It wasn't done by their, their <laughs> office. It was done by the state office um, to create an unbiased opinion, obviously. Um, and then they also had it cross-checked by the FBI. And the FBI agreed with their findings and the fact that there wasn't enough evidence or sufficient evidence to indict two of the officers on any type of murder or homicide charges. But there was enough to go ahead and indict the one officer on the wanton endangerment. Um, and he, he was pretty vocal about his opinion. He's, you know, he was communicating to the public and talking about the people who are rioting and looting right now where there was an officer shot in Louisville. 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 I can't really say Louisville. that word. <laughs> Louisville. <laughs> Don't you dare. Those are fighting words. Yeah. Fighting words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there was an officer, unfortunately, shot. What was it, last night or the night before? Two were shot last yeah, night. Yeah, because of the protest or the rioting. It wasn't protest. Um, there may have been some people out there that were pre- peacefully protesting, and, and, and rightfully so. I mean, that's that's they have a right to do so. Um, but he was telling them that, listen, hey, the facts are here. There's no reason or justification to do what you're doing because the facts are the facts, and you guys asked for them, and we presented them. And you know, and if you're you're wanting quote unquote justice, this is the justice you're gonna have to get and accept in this case because what the officers did didn't fit the bill for murder or homicide, right? Uh, or reckless homicide. You know, what would it have to be to get a, a, a homicide? You know like verdict well i mean it's there's a there's there's a it's a complex thing for murder i mean it's you know you have to have a premeditation or a um an intention to take somebody's life and then obviously you do take the person's life for homicide there's various forms in ohio again this is speaking in ohio there's a reckless homicide there is um negligent homicide which you'll see uh, like reckless homicide, you'll see a lot in vehicle crashes where somebody dies. And the person said, I was texting on my phone. I looked up, I hit a car, and unfortunately mm. somebody died because yeah. of that. And that's not necessarily always a felony or a serious crime. A lot of times those are just misdemeanor because it's an accident unless you prove that the person who caused the accident, that who killed the, the, the innocent person driving the other car uh, was impaired, you know, then obviously that it, it elevates um, the crime to a felony level which has happened numerous times, you know, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's gotta be, there's gotta be an intent intent there. And the best way I, it, the best way I can explain it for an officer's sake, I'm going to say 99.99% of officers in America don't go out and plan to go kill somebody that day. And I'm I almost want to err on the side, almost a hundred percent really, they don't plan to go out and just shoot somebody to cause the homicide, to cause a murder. They, they go out and do their jobs. And, and, and again, they're not perfect. They make mistakes. And unfortunately in this job, like me and Nelson were talking about earlier in, in, in police work, when you make a mistake, it could be huge and detrimental to your life, your partner's life or the public's life. Um, and you know, your, your human people, your humans doing a job that other humans think that you should do perfect. And that's really yeah. tough. It is. Um, but yeah, I mean it's 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 
basically, yeah, they just they they really have to prove that there was an intent there. There was something going on that the officer calls this with malicious acts. Um, and a lot of times, if an officer does something through a mistake, they have this thing through the federal courts, which is called um, acting in good faith. And if the officer was an accident that caused um, a death of somebody, um, you know, they could be sued civilly. The department could be sued civilly, but criminally, um, you know, it's one of those things where if the officer was acting in good faith and doing his or her job and there, this accident, this freak accident happened, I'm going to say typically you're not going to get some type of verdict through a grand jury to say that this guy is going to be charged with any type of homicide or murder. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to get that. And I don't, I, you know, from, from a, from a cultural standpoint, I, I do not think it's wrong to hold police officers and law enforcement individuals to a higher standard. I don't. And, and this is what I mean. That job in and of itself um, requires that to an extent. And so, yeah. and I know, I, I think it was at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, actually, where they had a... Uh, a police officer come and speak about his job and talk about, you know, just how, how as a, as a, uh, from a cultural standpoint, you have levels of, um, like expectations. Whereas, like officers may be at level ten, the rest of us are may hover around level five about where we where we live and what's okay for us to do and what's not okay for us to do right so the standards are he- but 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 if if society drops then you know then those police officers may drop too may go down to an eight if society goes down to a three or you know what i'm saying like yeah. but but still needs to maintain you know several levels above that so i don't i don't disagree with that what what i what i think is difficult is when what we're seeing and Nelson, I want you to weigh on this because I mean this is your hometown. But like what what we're seeing is and I and you alluded to this, is that the media and those with platforms have made this, you know, almost like we're gonna die on this hill in the sense of if these guys don't get what the guys in Minneapolis got, then mm-hmm. then then it's a failure. And right. that's just I mean, not not every situation is the same. Not every situation is going to fall in the same way. And again, I we would all say, "Hey, listen, like we hate what happens. Like this is a terrible thing." But again, like this was not something where they went in there and their intention was to you know to to harm anyone. Like it, the circumstances dictated, you know, a, a use of force, and that use of force sadly ended in an innocent person, you know, being harmed in the crossfire of this. And so that and that part's too bad, you know, from from a standpoint of some of the people in, in Louisville, people living there and kind of, you know, what's going on, like, what have you heard or what, like, what are the emotions like from, from individuals, your family and, and those living there that you're, your friends and, and things like that, Nelson? Looking, looking at it like from this end and looking back to home is it's hard to see your city that way. I mean, I lived in the, in the suburbs of outside of Louisville, but I've been to these, you know, I've seen restaurants on the news last night that were being surrounded or damaged that, I used to frequent and it's hard to see, you know, everything that a lot of things that have been going on this year have been distant and you've been able to disconnect from it and not put yourself in that situation. But to see, you know, Bardstown road, 
you know, being damaged and people getting hurt and fights breaking out. And it's, it's hard to see your city that way and knowing that you have family and friends that live there, that work there, that aren't able to go to work for the rest of the week because their business have been shut down or, you know, my brother, he can't go into, he can't go into his office, you know, and it would, it would seem really odd if we didn't have COVID, but uh, he's been doing that for a while, but you know, he had been getting back into that routine and now there's an entirely different reason that he can't go into downtown. And it's just, it, it hurts your heart to see, you know, people that you know and care about that it's on their front doorstep. What are the, well, I mean, from the people that you know that are living there, like what are that, what are their emotions? How do they feel about all of this? Uh, there's, there's a lot of anger about it. Um, from like, explain that. Uh, a lot of anger about, you know, maybe not feeling that their voice is being represented uh, or that, um, that, you know, they have the belief that, you know, like you do, that what happened is not a good thing, but is this the most responsible response to that? And to, burn the city down or shoot officers in the street and throw Molotov cocktails. In what way is that going to bring justice for Brianna? In what way? And it, it seems to be driving a wedge in the community, which is what I see from the outside is that there's, you know, like, and I could see that develop where there would be a wedge between, you know, two different sides. And it's just going to get deeper if things continue to progress down that Avenue. Is I mean, what is that looking like? Like, Nate, what I mean, where, where have you? What are you hearing like from this? Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you a different. Let me go a different route for you, Nate, because I, I, I do want. Have you heard any of your students talking about this? And 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 how is a younger generation perceiving or dealing with or where are they leaning in in some of maybe the the things that they're thinking about this situation? Well, I mean, in my classes particularly, I mean, we don't really get a chance to talk about that stuff, um, nor do I honestly want to go down that road because I just, I don't research that stuff enough. I haven't researched these situations enough. I should, but I haven't. Um, but I know just talking with some of the social studies guys, like my buddy Travis and Garrett Blair, who's also a social studies teacher, um, you know, they, they've talked about it a little bit and, you know, students you know, are, are surprisingly, you know, about 50, 50, a lot of them are, are sharing that those really rough emotions about, you know, well, it's obviously wrong. Um, everything that's happening and, you know, they support protesters and writers. And then you have the, um, you have kind of the other half who are, are saying, well, you know, they're, they're maybe a little bit less emotional about it, I guess, a little less empathetic, um, about the situation. Um, so, you know, I, in terms of my experiences with it, um, I've, I've, I guess I've just kind of, my personality is I try to stay out of the things that I just don't know a lot about. Um, and that's one thing I can definitely attest to. I don't, I don't know a lot about that. Um, but from what I've, I've seen and heard from others. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things, like literally it, it just splits down the middle in terms of people's emotions um, on the issue. You're either empathetic to it or you're on the side of you maybe understand it a little bit, but not near as much as what you should. So, yeah. So, I mean, from your guys' standpoints and maybe everybody weigh in on this as a Christian, as a believer, I mean, we're seeing, 
well, Emma brought this up the other day. I've got a, a friend who's is Tyler McKenzie, and he he preaches at a, a big church in Louisville, and you know, as a as a as a group, a body of believers, like believers, they're coming together, they're having times of prayer, they're trying to be empathetic, you know, to those to the to everyone involved, police officers and and you know the the black community um, and the hurt and pain that goes into that, uh, and just trying to be a a conduit of healing, you know. But where, what are your thoughts on on how, as believers, as followers of Christ, we should react to this? Cody, I'll start with you, and then just kind of go in that same order. Cody, Nelson, Nate, like, what do you think f- from a standpoint of our reaction? What our process should be, and our involvement. I mean, that, first off, I think we need to pray. I think we need to pray for the the family of Breonna Taylor. I think we need to pray for the police department, um, you know, in the, the uh, difficult times that they're also going through. Um, you know, vocally, I mean, I just think we just need to sh- show and express love in this situation and not pick or choose sides and make that evident to the public. I mean, how, I, how do you... How do you express love in a situation like this when by not condemning these officers, you've alienated, you know, if it's the same demographic, 50% of the, the nation, which I don't know that that's what the demographic is of this, you know, where people stand on this. Mm. How do you show love in that? Because I mean, you know, as soon as you say, as soon as as soon as they ask you, well, do you agree with the verdict or do you not? I mean, you have to give an answer there. And how do you express love even when, even by by you saying, hey, listen, I you know, I don't necessarily think that was a bad verdict. I don't think that was a bad outcome. You know, how do you express love in that situation to people who are who who feel like they've that that justice has not been served? I think open communication with the the opposite view. If you're, if you're speaking to somebody like you just said that, that that doesn't believe justice is served, I think that just being open minded and willing to listen and to hear their viewpoints and not shut them out of it, um, and just say, "Well, I'm right, you're wrong," um, you know, and create that us versus them mentality and just be accepting of their opinion and respectful of that opinion, but also not be so forceful on your opinion. Um, I think that's love because love can come in different forms and shapes in our lives. Just being able to listen and not continuously just force this one opinion down everybody that you come in contact with, contact with down their throat per se. I mean, you just really just being open-ended and open-minded to the, to the opposite views of this and, um, and accepting to them. But again, if you feel like the verdict was justified and based on the facts, you do your research. I mean, that's again, your opinion of it. And I think that hopefully and respectfully, the opposite views of this see that and respect yours as well. I mean, I think that's how we do that. Yeah. Nelson, what are your thoughts? To piggyback? I mean, I think prayer is a big part of it. And then to be able to pray for the community, pray for Brianna's family, pray for the, the officers that were, Involved in this, they you know they've taken 
by their actions, you know, a life was taken willingly or not, you know, like, so like they have to live with that for the rest of their life. And, uh, whether that be just with their career or just in their daily life that they have, they know that this has been something that's, that was caused by them. Um, and I mean, people need to be able to listen and, and understand that, you know, there is a law out there and there's a way that it is interpreted and, and, you know, and it's not always going to go the way that you think it's going to go. There's facts to it. There's more information out there. Um, people need to learn all the facts instead of just ignoring the rest of it and just really, really listen, I think is a big part of it. And just to, even if you don't agree, um, hopefully to be able to have that one conversation to show that you do understand and that you do understand that they're hurting and they're lashing out and just to let that happen. Um, and to allow them to say so they can feel like their voice is heard and that they've been acknowledged is a big part of it. Just to, just to say that we are listening. Um, and we, you know, we haven't shut you out and it's, and it's, it comes out of love that we're, you know, like we're the community's hurting as a whole, especially in Louisville right now. I mean, the whole community's hurting, whether you agree with the verdict or not as a community, everyone is hurting. And if everybody can, open up to that and start to discuss things. That's, that's the first start to healing. And I think, I think the church is a good place and there's a lot of churches in Louisville and there's a lot, and it's a very church oriented town. And so there's a lot of opportunity for people to get out there and show love and show that they are listening to the, you know, um, the, the discrepancies within the community and that things are going to be addressed and changed. Do you feel like the what is happening with some of the things that are put on the media and with the riots and, and some of the violence and, and vandalism that, that's going on, do you feel like that has undermined the legitimacy of those who are trying to draw attention to um, to racism in our, in our country? I, I, I absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. I think, I think the, um, the dialogue is getting manipulated and, and, and there's, there's points that both extremes are trying to make and that's all that's being discussed. And then there's, there's going to be certain in any free society, there's going to be certain injustices between different people. And the goal is to remove those. And if you can't have a discussion about anything, without violence or hatred, then you're really losing the point of the whole system. And, you know, there's, you know, we live, we live in a great country where, you know, the attorney general is, I'm pretty sure it's an elected official. Is it an elected official? Appointed. Appointed. So, I mean, there are, you know, if you don't, I mean, if, if you don't agree with how things are being run, there are opportunities to change that at the ballot box. And then you can change the course of your culture and your community and the narrative that's being pushed out there. So correction. I want to say, is it nationally? The attorney general general is appointed. Uh, I'm not for sure. State, I'm not I think, for sure. Might be, be elected. I'm a little ignorant on that one. We're gonna so. have to fact check that too. Yeah. Nate. Write that down on the yeah, fact we'll, check we'll list. Get that. <laughs> yeah. We'll get that. <laughs> what are your thoughts, man? Um, so, your your message on Sunday actually resonated with me a lot. 
Um, believe it or not, I, I listen to you. Whoa, um, Cody, are you are you hearing him? Yes, he listened to the sermon. I for Good once, job, buddy. For once, hey, don't, don't Cody. Did you listen to the sermon? I don't. I wasn't there. <laughs> he wasn't even there. He wasn't even there. I no. skipped. <laughs> That's our Cody. No, but it, your message resonated with me because I thought you made some, you know, some really good points. And in the world today, we're asked as Christians to concede to a lot of things, right? We're asked to, um, you know, make concessions on certain topics and certain things that, you know. We just shouldn't. We shouldn't. You know, we there is a there is a law in place. There's a word in place that tells us, hey, you know, this is not the way to go on this topic. You know, so that really resonated with me. Um, but you know, like if we look at it from a, a worldly point of view, like what like what we so often today do, especially when you gaze on social media, you know, it's black white, it's right left. Everything's polar polarized um, to the extreme. So I think it's one of those things, and I'm going to piggyback off both you guys. You know, we have to look at this. I don't want to say through a filter, but kind of through a filter as Christians, and say, okay, where where is the line drawn for us as followers of Christ? What does the Word say on this? Um, but also, we we do need to listen, no matter what. Uh, no matter what the the topic is about, or no matter the situation, just simply listening to the other side is like Cody and Nelson both said. Um, that's going to be the most effective way. And and I think taking it seriously, I think I think a lot of people in society, and especially on topics like this, we we're really quick to just kind of joke about it a lot of the time, and we spend more time trying to make jokes and stupid little memes come from these things that we forget to really just meditate on the seriousness and, and the gravity of some of these issues. Absolutely. And we we just don't talk about it as adults in a lot of ways. Adults don't talk as adults uh, during these things. Um, so I think, you know, just the ability to use our words. I always tell my four-year-old, use your words, dude. Um, that's something we don't do a very good job of. So we, we need to listen, um, use our words appropriately. Um and I think that's going to go a way longer way than anything else. And, and, you know, that falls into the love category. Listening intently and actively is a love uh, characteristic of it. I was listening to a podcast this week on leadership, and one of the things they talked about was just the influence that you can have over another individual. And if, if there is no personal relationship, then the chances of you influencing that person is slim to none. You know, and this is talking from a business standpoint, even like in a business, even if you are the leader of that business, but there is no relationship there, then the, then your influence on that person is, is going to be hindered considerably. But when you have a relationship, when that person knows who you are, they know your character, they know the, the, you know, what you stand for, but yet your heart then the ability to influence that situation becomes much greater. And I think it's the truth here. And this is, I think, what you guys are alluding to when you say being able to listen and be sympathetic. The reality is wherever you stand on this, we can be sympathetic, you know, to the other side of this. And we should be. We should always consider every, you know, every perspective and, and, and every avenue of this. But at the end of the day, the only way that, that, that we are able to make, you know, positive change in this 
is, you know, our willingness to, to, you know, have those relationships and be relational, you know, kind of in our approach. Um, so yeah, guys, I appreciate, you know, just those thoughts. Yeah. Just, just to add to that, I mean, just looking at from an, an educator's perspective, what we're always, you know, it's ingrained into our heads. My former prince, my former boss, you know, his, his biggest three rules for a teacher, relationships, relationships, relationships. Okay. From rule one to rule three, it's all relational. If you are not catching a kid, uh, in a positive light, that kid's not going to listen to you. Right. He, he doesn't care about, uh, you know, using logic gates in my class or, or learning about history in some other what person's class. Log- logic gates. First thing that came to mind, so, bro. Water gates and logic, logic gates. gates. We're all over them today. <laughs> Sandwich gates and Sandwich burger gates. gates. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just, you know, just wanted to piggyback off that. That's, yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's huge, man. Relationships. Well, and honestly, that segues well into kind of what we wanted to get into in the second part of this, and that is, you know, this idea of, of religion and relationship. Um, and, and, the gospel, um, and you know, how we as followers of Christ should live and act and work, you know, in, in, in our churches, in our homes, just in our, in our everyday lives, in our relationship to God. What does that look like? And I know Cody, like I said, you've spent a lot of time on this. Um, but I think there's, we kind of just briefly kind of discussed some of this. I think I think we have to be careful when we're talking about this situation. I think we have to be careful in this sense, um, in this in in the sense of we have, and I've I am guilty of this as much as anybody in the Leesburg Church of Christ making religion a, a bad word, mm-hmm. and I think we have to be careful about this discussion and making religion a bad word. Religion is not bad. Correct. Um, in fact, if if you if if you define it, Webster defines it the service and worship of God. That's good. That, yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, the second part of that definition: commitment or devotion to religious faith or observance. Now, where religion becomes a bad thing, and we have to clarify this before we even have this discussion because of how we're going to use some of these terms. Right. When religion becomes a bad thing, it's when that commitment or devotion is based more on the observances, the practices, the practicalities of that over and against the relationship or the faith, service, and worship to God. When it become when 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 we start to take God out of out of the church. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we see a lot of times. And I think what's going to come up in our discussion, some of the negatives of this. That's it's we're going to emphasize those things. We're or we're not emphasize, but but we're going to shed light on those things. Yeah. And I and so I think we have to we have to be we have to say, hey, listen, like we're going to use this word. And it's going to sound like a dirty word, but religion in and of itself is not bad. It's only bad when the observances and the practices of it overshadow the fact that there's a God behind it, that we are loving and doing these things because of our love for him. Um, so I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to say that for a few reasons. And this goes back to the Brianna Taylor thing. You got a, you got a lot of churches in Louisville that are coming together 
as religious institutions and supporting the community mm-hmm. and really like trying to bring unity. And I think only God can bring unity to this nation. Mm-hmm. You know, no president is going to do it. No political change is going to do it. No, no vote one way or the other. I mean, at the end of the day, the only thing that unifies us that has potential to unify us is the fact that we have a God who's bigger than everything that we're seeing. So, so that's religion. That's what religion's getting us. What's religion? It's practice. They're going out. They're serving. They're loving. That that's observance. That's that's a that's faith, right? Um, and and that's service. Uh, another thing we something that uh, we did as a church. Natalia's blankets. The that ministry where we got a bunch of blankets together. Um, and put them together. Well, they got delivered today. Here's a young lady, a very young child who um, was dying, and Make-A-Wish came in and said, hey, we'll send you to Disney World. We'll send you on vacation. We'll let you meet anybody you want to meet. You know, what do you want to do? And and this was her response. Natalia's response was, I want to get all the blankets together that I can, and soup, and provide for the homeless people in Cincinnati. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Now, this this girl went on, she passed away shortly after she did this. So this thing went on, and her family has carried this ministry on. Incredible, incredible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you have organized religion doing is creating a legacy for a young child who absolutely deserves a legacy created in her honor. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. You know, you think about like abortion. You know, we would all say, hey, listen, like we don't agree with abortion. I, th- I think if not, then we definitely need to have a podcast on that. Mm. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, we would say, okay, well, here, here's what organized religion has done. It has held back, you know, um, this becoming just, you know, just a normal thing. Mm. The Catholic Church has stood against abortion. You can say whatever you want about the Catholic Church, and, and there are, are negatives to say there. There are negative things we could say about that that religious institution, but that's a good thing you can say about them, you know? Um, and, and I just think about even, like, what religion does in, in the sense of, of what we're trying to create here, which is very hard for me because I'm, I'm not... A planner. I'm not an organizer. I'm not a systems guy. I, you know, I'm. I hate being put in a box. I mean, you know, I freak out like I'm <laughs> terrible. But organized religion, the Leesburg Church of Christ, at the end of the day, is trying to create order in chaos. You know, and and that's what Genesis one is all about. God saying to Adam and Eve, "Go and create order in chaos. Order this." And I think even in our, in our marriages and our homes and all those things, that's our job. You know, that's a God-given responsibility. And so I think religion does that as well. And so I, I want to, I want that to be kind of the foundational piece here before we go into this, that, that religion is not bad in and of itself, but it absolutely creates bad things. And those are the things we're going to discuss up and against the gospel and what what religion should really look like. So, with that sad said, <laughs> Cody, <laughs> take dun, it away. Dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, I'm the dark horse in this. <laughs> now you are. No, I, I just want to start uh, by reading this quote, and I've used this uh, author a couple times in the previous podcast. It's one of my favorite books I've ever read, and the title of the book was "Jesus is Greater Than Re- Religion," and 
it says, the Bible isn't a rule book. It's a love letter. I'm not an employee. I'm a child. It's not about my performance. It's about Jesus's performance for me. Grace isn't there for some future me, but for the real me. The me who struggled, the me who was messy. He loves me in my mess. He was not waiting until I cleaned myself up. So I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. And, you know, and so then I went through life with that foundation of faith that I had, you know, and there's so many good people that are from that church that I believe still go to the church, a lot of good people. But as I became an adult and educated myself and, and um, really was challenged by my wife to be the spiritual leader of our home, my first thought was, is kind of this quote was, you know, I'm not worthy of that. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough things to take that title or that role in my house. And I believe that part of that thought process for me was established from the church that I went to at a young age. You know, I, I, I felt that they wanted this, this image that, I was, you know, you are a clean person. You are a great person. You don't make mistakes. Um, you know, you're limited on things you can do in the public because, you know, this is what God said and and, and, and this is what we're supposed to do. Um, but, I, you know, I did a little bit of research and some of the things Kevin and I kind of talked about earlier before we started the podcast is I said, you know, I feel like when we're born, like the fabrics are woven into us with that mentality of the us versus them. Uh, I can think back, you know, with my kids, they would specifically as babies, they would want a certain individual over another person, you know, it's them versus us. And then you can translate that. And I started writing down these little notes and I wrote, you know, in sports, you know, Nate's from Greenfield and I'm from Hillsborough. Yeah, I know, to both when we were 19 and 0, I get it. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to drop that. Cuz <laughs> cuz I'm trying to be I'm trying to be a Jesus lover, not a no. Um but you know, in sports, you know, it's us versus them. It's the Hillsborough versus Greenfield, you know, that's the rival. And then you think about family and and some and you know, some family they you may not have issues with parts of your family. Um I I do. Um, there's family members that we don't communicate with and for reasons, you know, that, that we choose. And then we get into the whole topic of politics. You know, you think about the us versus them in that aspect of it. You know, you got your uh, Democrats and your Republicans right now. It's really strong, the us versus them mentality. So or the economic status. And then I also wrote down Ohio state versus, uh, TTUN. That, that team, team. Good up north. That's right. We don't. We don't say that. We name. don't say it. Bad. But you know. And thankfully, we'll actually get to see that game. Yeah. Yeah. We will this year. But uh, you know, I like Kevin said, religion is a great thing. But at times, when we're talking about this topic, I feel like religion can be the worst example of the us versus them mentality. And you know, you think about. I mean, you guys think about this, like churches that you've seen that you haven't been a part of, that you've just heard, you've seen, and like. I've literally heard a church say that our worship is the best. I don't think that's the appropriate remark you should make. Mm. You know, mm. our teachings are better, or our minister provides a better lecture or a lesson. You know, in church services. I know Cody didn't say that. Uh, no. Yeah, I was about to say, who, who did you hear this from? 
<laughs> well, here's here, here's here's one that's you know we're not going to get into it right now. I've suggested this to Kevin. Kevin said we need a lot of time to think about this, so I'm just going to summarize this: homosexuality and the views of that. And 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 when I broke that down with religion versus like gospel loving people or Jesus followers, you know, you think of religion, and and what I think of is their views. They view it as the people who are homosexual are the sin, right? And, and where I feel that I'm, I'm at in my in place I'm at and in, in, you know, what gospel loving people would, would say is they view the sin, the sin as the enemy, not the person. Right. You still love the person. And then you think about what Jesus told his disciples and it was in chapter or Luke chapter six. I don't know if you guys want me to read it, but I, I really don't want to read it. But he was basically talking about just loving your enemies and the interesting thing that I found in that was he didn't go in and say, love your enemies except for those who don't look like you. Love your enemies except for the ones who don't think like you. Love your enemies for the ones you know, who, have, who make less money than you or whatever. He said, love your enemies. Love all your enemies. Um, you know, it's, it's something that's really you know, stuck with me as I went through my my. I don't know what you call that, the process of my faith as I continue to grow and um, develop into who, who God wants me to be and intended, me, intended for me to be. Do you feel like some of the experiences that you had growing up put a bad taste in your mouth? Absolutely. You know, I before I met Paige, I, I had no interest in going to church. You know, and I had no interest in my relationship with God because I felt like through my experience that it was a forced endeavor and it was an obstacle that wasn't rewarding at all in my life. So you thought it was fake? You thought it was fake? I thought it was fake because, yeah, I thought it was fake for a lot of reasons. And and, and I, to think back to my childhood, and, and, and again, this is not downgrading how my mom and dad raised me at all. They're amazing people. But like I, you know, when I think about the church I grew up in and some of the views they had and some of the things that they, they stated, like it made me angry, you know, I'm just like, how could you go through life knowing what I know now, you know, and through my faith now, like how, how could you preach that? How are you comfortable sharing like what, like some specifics like in that? Yeah. I mean, we, I, I was, I wasn't old enough to experience this, but I had family that was at the high school age at the time they were told they're not allowed to go to their high school prom because it was promiscuous and you know it didn't glorify god um if if you looked at some of the dances today well sure yeah no i'm sorry no yeah and, and and i think about um Q102 was a popular radio station, and I wasn't allowed to listen to that um, as a kid because... Was that rock? No, it's kind of like pop. Like, back then... Justin Timberlake? Back then, it would have been like NSYNC, NSYNC Backstreet Boys, <laughs> all the cool bands. Bye-bye. 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 And then I, th- there, was, there was one time that a, that a, that a lady took her kids to, to the movies and she at our church and she was scrutinized for that, that movies were a sin. Um, you know, and 
just going. No, it didn't matter what she went to go yeah, see. Yeah, no, it's just a sin. By like, walking into that facility, you yep, were a sinner. Yep, and you know you couldn't wear shorts. And to think of that now, like let's just say that this guy's at the end of the rope. He's about to commit suicide, and he walks into a church with shorts on because that, that's all he can mm. afford. And this church says you have to wear pants to come mm. here. Come on, man. You know, and like that's like. 95 degrees in August, and we had to wear pants, you know, and, and it's just, to me, that was, it's mind-boggling, and, you know, that's the part of the religion that, again, religion's good, but I think that whenever people take it out of context and misinterpret the purpose of it, that's the outcome that we see, and, and we have seen. You know, you think about when I was a kid, like, I never noticed a woman get up on um, on the stage and speak then i realized as i got older women wasn't allowed to do that because did jesus or god say that no i mean that's just a man interpreted man-made thing like women are are not allowed to do that they're supposed to sit in the pew and and listen um you know there's a lot of issues in that so nelson growing up you know maybe outside of this environment to an extent but probably being aware of some of the things in this environment from 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 an outside perspective like what what were your thoughts about church religion those things growing up and and what what maybe changed your mind as you as you grew older and and was maybe more i guess educated and or at least understood that really uh one moment in my life it wasn't when i was young when i was what that cody kind of speaks of was um so when I was living in Washington, I was um, in the Air Force and living wrong and um, and and was beginning to know it. And one Sunday, I decided I was going to go to church. Just pick a church. Just drive down the road and pick a church. Walked into church and flip-flops. A little lady walks up to me and she says, we don't wear sandals in here. Here I am, 23, probably been out the night before. Shouldn't the reception have just been... Where are you from? Glad to have you. But I said Jesus wore sandals, and I walked out the door. Never looked back. And that was the moment where it was like, "What's this? What is that institution about? How are they growing? How are they opening their arms to get this community or get people in there?" You know, I was active duty military member. Like, who else should they be reaching out? You know, like this is an opportunity to show love and show grace. And and now I see that the older I get the more receptive I am to being able to give that love and that grace and to be able to accept people for who they are. And no matter what circumstance they are, because you have the the longer you go through life, the more experiences you have where you don't know what's going on in somebody's life. And it could be the worst day of their life. And by letting you, letting, letting them in in traffic could change how they feel in that moment. Yeah. And it's simple things. And like, and I think, you know, religion can get a bad context when there are a lot of extraneous rules or obligations that have been put out there and it can give people a really sour taste that is, it's a lot harder to remove that first impression. Like we all know how important those are. Uh, So what, what was it? What, what eventually did change that for you? Uh, just, it just, uh, God working in my life and really just, um, you know, even even coming here to the Leesburg Church of Christ, uh, you could feel it. You can you can feel it when you walk in the door. 
that, you know, um, people care and they want to know who you are and where you're from and what you're about and what your family like. And, and that is just the open arms of getting to know people instead of judging them when they're here before that. I mean, um, you know, Chad was, he did the new or new members orientation. And mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, for a man that I had never met to be able to sit down and have a conversation and actually it was this room right here was where we were having that class is, um, and just to feel loved and just to feel accepted and just to feel, you know, not taken for granted or I don't, I don't know how to really say it right now, but that's what it's, I mean, to me, that's kind of what it's about is just to be open to it and to not just to be, we're all broken. We're all broken in many ways and it's not for me to judge whomever else. And it's really not anybody's job to judge me. There's, there's one, there's one God that can do that. And I'm going to kind of leave it up to him. I'm not sure if I'm making sense anymore. No, absolutely. (laughs) I I would say this though, you know, and, and this is, I think to an extent, I think comes up against some of the things that we're saying, not like, I think is like, like straight up against it, but like just other angles that we have to consider. One of the, one of the things I think is, is the reality that biblically there are rules. Mm -hmm. And I think we live in a culture and a time where we hate that. Sure. (laughs) I mean, I talked about it Sunday. I mean, this is what, this was the whole discussion Sunday in in the sermon. And if you want to go check that out on Facebook, like you can, you can kind of, you can understand kind of where that comes from. But we, we don't like when people tell us, you know, what we should think or what we should do. We feel like we should be able to think for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think it's why even this idea of rewriting some of the history of this nation is becoming popular. It's because, hey, listen, like we can rewrite this. We don't like this because this one person had this one thing that they did wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and the reality is, you know, we, we we strip our humanity, you know, when we do that. But the other side of that is, you know, that I could never love my wife the way that I need to love my wife or should love my wife if there aren't rules in place to mm-hmm. protect that. Like, mm-hmm. don't bring another woman into our home or our bed, okay? That's kind of a big deal. A little bit. You know, that's a rule. It's a very restricting rule, right? Very you know? and dry on that And one. a lot of people say, hey, listen, I'm not getting married because I don't want to be attached to one woman the rest of my life. Okay, well, if you don't do that, then you're not going to be able to have the extent of intimacy and love commitment and health in a relationship if that rule doesn't exist. And mm-hmm. so for instance, going back to, you know, some of the things of me being able to believe this or do that, there are absolutely things in scripture that say this is wrong and this is right and they aren't left to interpretation. But I think it's becoming harder and harder from a leadership standpoint in my in my position and I know from the eldership to talk about those things because there are a lot of people that say, well, I don't, you know, I'm not going to submit myself to that. But that's when, but that's what membership in the church, which is not a, I, membership is not a, one of those things that it speaks about in the Bible. It's more of a precedent, if that makes sense. 
So because there are leaders in churches, then there are people that should put themselves underneath that leadership. We know of elders and deacons and, and those types of things as talked about in Scripture. But to commit yourself to that in in the form of you know uh, membership is is more of a newer, modern thing. But the Bible does talk about placing yourself under the authority of someone who deserves that. And when that happens, there are going to be things that are talked about. There are going to be the rules that are put there that need to be respected. But I, I think the problem becomes it's hard to respect the rules that actually should be there if they're more difficult, right, to think about, or, or especially in lieu of the fact that there are rules that are being promoted that are extra biblical, that are, you know, that have that are not actually biblical things, but have just that this these rules have been put here because this person has this preference of shorts or sandals or whatever, right. whatever right. that thing is, right? And so, again, I think there's a lot that goes into you know our thought process and working through that. A lot of responsibility from a leadership standpoint, and then I think a lot of consideration, humility, vulnerability, and grace. You know, from a someone who associates with that church through membership, or you know, being a part of that that organization, that re, that that religious institution. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Nate. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, you already mentioned I grew up in the church my entire life, so I mean, I was around organized religion from the very beginning. Um, went off to college, and I know I've kind of mentioned this to you before, but my first year or two of college, I just completely through organized religion, pretty much my entire faith that I had built up to that point. What um, was the reasoning? Like, was it was it just, hey, I want to do my own thing, or was it you had a bad taste in your mouth? A uh, combination of, uh, you know, I, I was at OU. Like, you know the thing about OU. You're going there, and you're having a good time. And that's that's what I felt like I was doing my first, you know, couple of years. I thought I was having a, a good time, kind of putting Jesus on the back burner. Um, you know, I... But I was still, I, I was actually a really good student, actually, believe it or not. I would make sure to study and um, do all these things. And I remember one of my classes, it was a sociology class, and they had you pick a documentary that you had to watch. So I picked this documentary. It's called Religious. You ever heard of this? Wait, is that, uh, did, is that the one? Uh, who did it? Who did the Bill Maurer. Bill Maher. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yes, I have. Uh, devoted atheist. Yes. Um, very pessimistic, condescending I would about say, a lot of things. I mean, I would say this. That's a documentary that if you have not watched it, you should. You should, even if you're it a Christian. Gives, yes, because it gives you the perspective of the other side. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah. And, and, you know, and Bill, Bill Maher, he condescending, pessimistic about everything, atheist through and through. Um, he exposed some of the sillier parts of organized religion. And, you know, through through watching that and, you know, just listening to some people that didn't necessarily, I, I felt like now steered me in a good direction. Um, you know, at that time, you know, I kind of took to those things. I was like, man, religion is, I felt like at that time, kind of stupid. We did a lot of stupid things in church, I felt like. That's what I felt like. Um, you know, but, but thankfully, and I know I've, I, again, I'm, I'm kind of going back to this. I've told you this before, but thankfully, you know, later on in college, I got with a good group of guys and, you know, I just met this group and, and joined this, uh, you know, group and they said, Hey man, you want to go to Haiti and, uh, rebuild some shelters for people? 
I known him for like three or four months. <laughs> sure, I'll go to a foreign country for it or with you for a month. Um, but like when we were there, like you could just tell the love that they, they showed for me. I was a newcomer and, um, they just really kind of took me under their wing and, and just kind of, um, showed me what a walk with Jesus really looked like. Um, so, you know, again, I, I've said it before, I say it again, I, I owe a lot to those guys who, who really kind of took me in as a brother under Christ. Um, but I mean, that was my experience, I guess, with organized religion was I grew up in my whole life and I, I kind of was exposed to maybe some of the sillier things that we maybe focus on a little bit too much with organized religion. And I was very pessimistic for a long time. Um, but in the end, love rained out. Relationships helped put me back onto a, a point where I was excited about faith. I was excited to learn about it, excited to get back into the word. Um, and really, like like we said, relationships, relationships, relationships. Those are the things that I helped, you know, push me through um, and, and really started to get me excited about this Jesus thing again, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I, was, I was glad that I was challenged, though, those first couple of years. You know, I was glad, like you said, it's, it's you know, watching things like religious that challenge you, that challenge your faith, that um, maybe expose some parts of it that you should really think about. Um I was I was happy about those and looking back I I I'm glad that happened to me. Let me let's end like this cuz we we're at the end of our time here. And just each of you just take a a minute or two on this. Maybe not a whole minute. Maybe 30 Can we give them 30 seconds each? I suppose. <laughs> you got 30 seconds. Here's your assignment. Here's your schoolwork assignment. <laughs> Sounds so fun, Cody. No. <laughs> um, what characteristics, and pick two, and you have to pick different ones. Not everybody can pick different, the same one. So, well, Cody, I'll let you go first. So you you get to be. I went first last time. Oh, okay. Go, all right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So Nelson. Oh. You get to go first. This is not, this is easy. We don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just give us a pop quiz. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> C. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even know how to say this now. Um, I want to make it harder. How can I make it harder? Um, give us a, a couple characteristics that you think should define a healthy church that is gospel-centered that were attractive to you? I know some of you guys have already mentioned them, so some of them are going to get mentioned again you know, with this part. But again, if Nelson, the two that Nelson say, Cody, you can't say, and the two that Cody and Nelson say, you can't say. So just your thoughts. Uh, just quickly, I would say um, an openness to love and a lack of judgment. Um, pre like preconceived notions about somebody. Oh, am I next? I thought Cody was next. No, I pointed to you. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, relationships again, and I just say one and come back to me. Yes. Dang it. But it's going to be harder because if he takes the other mm-hmm. two, I know. you sure you want to do that? Yeah. 
Okay. You guys are really short. Like he said, 30 seconds, right? I would say, and I would use this as an example very briefly, but Chad Hodson and his funeral with his family and the service that our church provided, the service that our church church mm. provided when my son passed away, that in and of itself is one of the most attractive things that a church has is just believers, people who love Jesus and have a relationship with him that express that in action from their service. It hands down is one of the best things that a church can offer. And I'll go back to Nate. Cause I got to think of my second one. Love relationships and love, man. And my last would be, and I'm saying it's not sarcastic, but it is sarcastic when Broadway is not part of church, if that makes sense. When when it's not about the show. Right. Like, yeah. When I met Paige and I realized that, that I could quit the acting of loving God hmm. and that I could admit that I am a screw up and I didn't have to walk around town acting like I'm amazing or this great, Faith believing guy and admit that I am I'm I'm a mess, I'm broken and destroyed, damaged, but Jesus paid it all, and I could be vocal about that. And the church that I go to emphasizes that. To me, I, I was sold. That's good. Got throw in a third challenging. Good. Except for Kevin's challenges. <laughs> yeah, not his, but everything else. You mean my pop quizzes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. I think, uh, I, you know, I, well, no, I don't think. I know there are a lot of people out there who have walked into churches and felt exactly like you guys did. And I think our responsibility then becomes even more dire that we create an environment here that is open, loving, serving, and all those things that you listed, you know? Um, so good stuff. Another good discussion. Um, let's end in a word of prayer. God, we pray for the Taylor family. We pray for the community of Louisville. We pray for this nation. We pray for this election. God, we pray for your hand to be on, uh, just, just all of these situations, our lives, um, just those who are listening, you know, those in our community. God, we love you and we thank you for your son, Jesus, for the sacrifice that he made so that we could really live, so that we could be redeemed and restored, so that we could have uh, just a life that is whole, that has purpose uh, and joy. Um, bless us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. This is us signing off. Yeah. Oh, you're